Before we get going, I just have to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to every single chiropractor who cares for children, to every single chiropractic assistant who props us up on a daily basis, and every single chiropractic patient who values what we do. It has been and continues to be an absolute honor to care for the folks in my community. If you are being turned on to our podcast by a friend or family member, but are not under chiropractic care, my hope, my wish, is that you find a chiropractor in your town and see what true principled chiropractic care can do for your children, for you, and for your family. This show is committed to engaging the docs who perform miracles in their offices to help better understand what we do and how you can benefit. For more information, please visit my clinic on the web at www.chirobeacon.com or call us from the continental U.S. at 805-481-1566. If we can't see you, we'll find you someone who can. Today's podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Practice Evolution Prime. Practice Evolution Prime was created to bridge the gap from school to success. You can be successful, you should be successful, and being successful takes work. You have to gain the skills and foundation to be the sought-after family chiropractor. Our goal is to create extraordinary family chiropractors. This program is not easy. It will challenge you. It will push you. We choose to only work with doctors and students who are teachable, principled, and willing to work hard to improve their skills, practice, and their lives. If you are interested in learning more about this program or to apply, visit our website at pepprime.com or call the Practice Evolution Program at 801-281-1646. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. Today, guys, I'm extremely excited to um, bring on uh, one of my close friends uh, and mentors and colleagues, uh, Dr. Christina Stitcher. Christina is a sought-after speaker, educator, and consultant for family wellness practices. After graduating from Parker University, Christina founded Family First Chiropractic and Wellness Center in Salt Lake City, Utah in 2004. This office has become a leading family wellness practice and specializes in pregnancy and pediatric care. Family First Chiropractic is a mentor practice which encourages doctors to develop clinical excellence in a principled setting. Dr. Stitcher returned to Parker University as a full-time faculty member in 2014 and taught there for one year. She currently serves on the alumni board. Christina has served on the Utah Chiropractic Physicians Association Board for nine years and currently serves as past president. Christina is the owner of the Practice Evolution Program, whose aim is to create extraordinary doctors and successful leaders. Hey, Christina, welcome to the show. 
Dan, I'm so thrilled to be here. So thank you for inviting me. What an awesome opportunity and podcast that you have uh, going. The honor is all mine, Doc. I, I mean, you know, when we first conceived this thing, I had a short list of docs that I was thinking, you know, we have to get the word out. We have to hear from these people because they're doing such amazing things um, out in the world of chiropractic and particularly in chiropractic for kids. Uh, your name was definitely at the top of the list. So, um, you know, in our past several episodes, you know, one of the things that I've, I've asked straight off the bat is uh, to have our speakers give a little background to talk about what brought them to chiropractic, because I think... You know, the parents uh, that are listening um, and, and our other listeners, students and docs alike, um, they, they really want to know what drives you. You know, what makes pediatric chiropractic so special through the eyes of doctors? So, so tell us a little bit about how you got into it. Well, I got into chiropractic actually because of my mom. My mom was involved in a car crash my senior year in high school, and she went through the typical medical realm, um, which recommended a fusion for her cervical spine or her neck following a disc herniation. And unfortunately, that's what she did. Um, She knew medicine, and that was her first line of defense, and so she did a fusion. And she was a failed fusion from the very beginning with no improvements whatsoever, but now recovering from a massive surgery. And so we went through that. We had a family business and it, the impact and the, the trickle effect was huge. It, it impacted everything in our family. And so as a senior in high school, I ended up taking over her portion of the business and trying to keep things going. And that year, I also was applying to schools. I grew up in New England and I was applying to schools out west. And I got into a really, really good university. And I remember the process of my family saying, you go to the school because we never put things on hold because of health issues. We just, you, you move forward. And so the year that I came out to Utah to go to school, a chiropractor from Parker, a recent grad, started his practice in, uh, in Orono, Maine. And I remember mom going to him and her telling me that he sat down with her, looked at her x-rays, looked at her MRIs and everything and said straight up to her, we can't fix this. You have surgically fused your neck and it will never be the same. But I firmly believe your body can function better than it is right now. And I believe you have a lot more health potential than what you're achieving. And he put her on a very intensive care plan and he worked with her to get her health to come back. And the first thing that I noticed as a daughter was that my mom was more engaging and that her eyes literally lit back up. And I look at that as a daughter of going how that deepens my relationship with my mom, but how that deepens her relationship with her entire family. And that's a generational change. And so I grew up looking at medicine, wanting to be a doctor, so I thought it would be a medical doctor. And through that experience, my mom wanted me very seriously to consider chiropractic. And I looked at chiropractic very much as a favor to my mom. And I was touring the campus down in Texas when I was in the microbiology room where they grow their Petri dishes and everything else, when I was hit by a two-by-four to the back of the head. It's the best way to describe it. It was absolutely a calling. I was supposed to be a chiropractor, and I was supposed to be there as soon as possible. And to that point in my life, it was the biggest inspiration I had yet received, and I listened to it. And I firmly believe that our lives are made in small moments when we choose the path that we are supposed to choose. And I went into chiropractic knowing it changed my mom's life, not knowing yet the potential for changing generationals and generations. And I look at that of going, when you listen to what you're supposed to do, the path opens up. And chiropractic to me has been an honor, a privilege, a talent, and something that I am just, I'm right for. And I can speak to it from the place of of understanding as a daughter and also as a patient 
looking at, and a funny story with it, I went to a chiropractor in college because I had hurt my back very seriously, and he showed a video of a birth and talked about the trauma of birth. And I remember thinking, that is so crazy. These babies are made of rubber. They're fine. It's no big deal. And I thought he was crazy for seeing kids. And now I specialize in kids. So I I love the fact that I've come from that place and I can speak to what that change was for me to now yell from the rooftops that our kids need to be at their best potential from day one. We need to honor that from day one. You know, (laughs) it's so funny. The more chiropractors that I talk to who take care of kids, Christina, the more I hear the same story. Right. And it's it's so funny because we've all been there. I mean, it seems like the majority of us who take care of kids started out in chiropractic because of some sort of spine trauma mm-hmm. to a degree. You know, most of my patients know my story. Maybe that's, you know, a story for another time. But, you know, your story, your mom's story and, you know, our past and future guest stories are all very much based on, well, my back was really messed up. So I went to go see a chiropractor. And then as a consequence of seeing my chiropractor, I started realizing that my pain was wholly inconsequential in the big picture. You know, when I had Dr. Stan on for our inaugural cast uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, um, you know, one of the things that Stan talked about was his experience in the military and the stresses of the military and things like PTSD as it pertains to, you know, our genome and how that same types of stress uh, affects our, our children in this generation. I'm curious to hear you draw the line between your experience, the experience of your mom, and the experience that you see in terms of correcting vertebral subluxation in the young children you care for. The benefit that I love is where I've come from. So when a parent can come into me and say, this is so outside what I know, The first thing I have to acknowledge is I've been there and also that we've been taught this. You got to realize that we are sold the bill of goods that we're inherently sick and weak. And if we buy into that, which we have, which is why we go to the hospital for a normal natural birth, which most other countries don't do that, or we use a doctor who's trained surgeon rather than a midwife who's trained in normal natural birthing, we start the the cascade effect immediately by saying these babies are inherently sick and weak because mom is inherently sick and weak and disabled when she's pregnant. And so they come into our office and we have to own the fact, we have to own the fact that our bodies are capable of amazing things. Our bodies are meant to heal and repair at the very fundamental cellular level. And when we honor that, then we do things to build up our health. But that's not what we've been taught is healthcare. So I totally understand that when someone comes in here, this is totally different than what they've ever heard before. And so what I work for is to help bridge that gap of going, when you're ready to work on this, which parents are seeking this out, they are getting the fact that they have been sold a bill of goods that isn't okay, that isn't fundamentally right. It isn't congruent with their, with their soul and their heart because they know their body's capable of better than what it's been doing. And then they just need to find the right providers. And I look at my job as really, uh, my job is to remove the disturbance and let the body take back the potential that it always had. What an amazing experience to be able to witness that transformation on a daily basis. Right. You know, it's, it's funny. We, you and I both, we know that there's a huge difference between common and normal, 
right? Mm-hmm. I talked about this with Dr. Stan and to some degree with Dr. Ogie as well, but it's becoming this, this theme in the podcast. And it's a theme in my office. I know it's a theme in your office, right? Mm-hmm. As it pertains to things like spine trauma, we know that it's so ubiquitous in our culture, right? Everybody's got a back problem. And chiropractic has been marketed for, I don't know. I mean, as far as I can remember as, you know, an alternative to physical therapy, an alternative to medicine, an alternative to back school, whatever. When it comes to taking care of kids, you know, kids don't have spine pain unless Mm -hmm. there's something really, really, really wrong. And, you know, I think we've become so numb to the, the idea that, pain is okay, that we literally continue to numb ourselves, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways, because we just continue to believe that things are totally hunky-dory, and we put it out of sight, out of mind, and, and that's great. And it translates into this problem that we're having with a lot of our kids, you know, when they're subluxated, when they have alignment problems or movement problems in their spine that, that prevent that normal neurological input and output to their spines and, and all the cells that need all those instructions from their brains, um, they have, they have breakdowns, they have fundamental mm-hmm. breakdowns. And because their programs are so much more primitive than adults, they haven't run a lot of those chronic pain pathways yet. Their symptoms tend to manifest differently, but it doesn't make it any more okay. And it doesn't make it any more normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in your experience in your clinic, um, you know, what, what are the most common things that you tend to see that are manifestations of that in young children? I first will say that a first cardinal sign of a subluxation or a misalignment of the spine and that communication um, effect will be issues with breathing at birth. We know that. That's what the research has shown us. The problem is we have normalized a low APGAR score. So every mom has been told, because they do the APGAR at one minute and five minutes, is that score should be between one and ten or zero and ten. Ten is optimal function. It's a hundred percent function. But unfortunately, we've been told that it's a normal APGAR when it's a 5 or a 4 or a 6. When you look at that and really equate it over to 50% function for your baby, that's not okay. That's not normal. You know, it's, it's now common. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's crazy. I've seen cases, and I know you know about these cases because I've published them in our, in our you know, peer review group, um, where kids will come in my door and I'll look at their, their birth records. And mom and dad will insist that there was nothing wrong with the kiddo when he was born. But, you know, at least on two or three occasions, we've had APGARs under two. One of my kiddos had an APGAR score of one when he was born, improved by about four points at five minutes. But still, like, that's a DOA in my book. It's yeah, really yeah. scary. And these parents had no idea whatsoever that there were their, their son, their beautiful baby, was so close to death when he was born. It's crazy. It's just insane. And well, and I think it's one of going, that's when we, we make the wrong mistake of going, they're fine. Thank goodness they lived if they're even told that they were that close. Right. And now they must be okay. Well, okay isn't thriving. And so now we see a low APGAR score. And the next thing that I'll often see that will come up will be nursing issues. Well, right. here's the problem with the nursing issues is it's no longer 
unfortunately, it's not even socially acceptable to nurse, which is horrible. It's okay to have billboards of breast tissue all over the place, but heaven forbid you put a baby to that breast because now it's no longer okay. So that's the first thing that has to normalize is breastfeeding. But what happens is a mom starts to nurse and it's uncomfortable. It's painful. She starts getting cracked um, nipples or bleeding nipples, which are never okay. One side is easier to nurse on than the other side, or she accommodates she deals with it. So she does cross cradle on one side and a football hold on the other side. Or they look for the lip tie, tongue tie issues, which don't quite take care of the problem, but we're just grasping for straws. Because nursing has now become a way of feeding a child rather than the fundamental nourishment that a baby requires. And then we honor mom in that place and space. And we do everything we can to take care of her so she can take care of her baby. So mom now is made to feel that it must be something she's doing wrong or that just her baby can't nurse rather than realizing that's a sign of a problem and that is not okay to have a baby already have these issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a learning process, but it also will tell you so much of what's not happening right with that baby. Babies are designed to thrive, not merely survive. You know, one of the three lines in the last two interviews that we've done so far is that most of the time, I'd say 99.9% of the time, our moms are doing everything that they can to make sure their babies are healthy, right? And the real, the real problem, the real, the real challenge isn't so much gross negligence because that's so rare. It's more disempowerment. It's more misunderstanding. It's more a lack of communication between and amongst providers and families so that moms can do, can, can make choices that are, mm-hmm. are uh, productive for baby's health. And certainly in my experience, we tend to have a very cavalier attitude in traditional healthcare um, where we just sort of shun off uh, mm-hmm. problems, right? Yep. You know, pass the buck, you know, roll it down the hill, let somebody else take care of it. In chiropractic offices, you know, we tend to see the ones who have already been everywhere else, right? We are, we are down the hill. We are We're the we, ones that they rolled through. Absolutely. Right. So we tend to see a lot more of the severe cases. You know, you're, you're talking about breastfeeding. I think in 2016, I saw more latching cases than I saw in any other case in my clinic. And um, there's been some there's been some pushback to chiropractic in my community, no doubt. Uh, there's some pediatricians who are prominent in the community who will say that taking your child to a chiropractor is the worst thing you could possibly do, and you're a bad parent if you do it. Um, we have some uh, some lactation consultants in town who don't understand what we're here to do, um, but we have tremendous tremendous success when it comes to latching issues this year. Um, you know, every single mom, you know, with, with almost no exception, uh, was able to get amazing results. And it's crazy because even after the baby is able to latch and get food on both sides, that even affects the morphology of the mom's spine. Because as you were saying, the mom isn't carrying the baby in a precarious position to get, you know, a poor latch. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit because this is something that we haven't really broached before, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of other psychosocial issues that come into a latching problem, not the least of which is mom is ashamed or mom feels like she's not, she's not helping her baby enough. And, you know, the, all, the ideal situation is obviously not to put the baby on a bottle, not to put the baby on formula because there's all sorts of, you know, immunological issues that can come from that. 
aside from the fact that the baby isn't gleaning any normal good bacterial flora from the mom in the process of breastfeeding and not building up those normal immunoglobulins that they can they need later on to be able to build a robust th1 immune response but in my experience and i'm sure this is the same for you when we have a baby that doesn't latch in appropriately we see uh, a few um, inappropriate uh, retained primitives or some exaggerated primitives, uh, not the least of which, in, in my experience, is uh, one side where we can't elicit uh, an asymmetric tonic neck reflex. And for parents that uh, don't understand that, an ATNR is a, a primitive reflex that babies need to be born with. It's a primitive neurological program that jump starts a sort of cross crawl pattern when babies are on their tummies and they hit like the three to four month mark so they can learn how to crawl effectively and keep their heads level but it also requires them to turn their heads and if they're locked out because they've had significant trauma in the process of being born perhaps they had trauma in utero because mom's in labor and they're pushing against the pubic bone or the sacrum and they're not progressing it locks down the upper part of the neck namely in the bottom part of the skull and cervical vertebrae is one and two um, and they can't turn their heads, right? Which means they're going to have a shallow latch. Um, they, they won't get any of the hind milk in their suck, and that's going to contribute to a whole variety of other issues, not the least of which are colic, constipation, and acid reflux, right? Um, you know, and Christina, I, I think we, we, can, we can talk about this uh, maybe on another episode, but one of the other things that we're starting to see quite frequently with tongue ties that are being missed, or I'm sorry, I just, I just said it, um, it's being missed uh, all the time with regards, to, uh, with regards to feeding is tongue tie. Um, I probably see a tongue tie in one out of every two babies that I check, and they're being missed by pediatricians. Even if it's not something that prevents them from suckling appropriately, um, it's still will have midline neurological consequences later on down the road. So again, I guess the point that I'm trying to make with all this stuff is that, you know, if, if you as a parent are identifying these issues, um, they are absolutely not okay. Um, but there also are solutions out there that go beyond the status quo. Um, anyway, that was a lot of me talking, Christina. Do you care to, to, to comment on that? I know you have a lot of ideas about this. Well, and the first thing I'd say is let me jump backwards with you is going, it's not okay to have these. And I think what's really nice is that most parents are now, they're totally okay going outside the, the status quo. They want what's best for their baby. And so they're going to do whatever it takes. The best thing to realize is we've got an army of moms all over the world that are empowered with the internet of going, we're not okay with the answer going, you just got to live with this. Mm-hmm. Your baby will have colic every single night for the first three to four months and they will just outgrow it. Mm-hmm. The thought that you're going to listen to a baby screaming for three to four hours every single day for three to four months until they outgrow it and not try to look for a solution is just insane. But we've done so well to say to these moms, there's nothing you can do. And to these dads, dads, I love you. I mean, no disrespect. Dads, you go through this as well. Here's the thing that I will say with it is that the parents are are now stepping up going, I'm not okay with what I've been told and there must be a different way a better way in my opinion because no matter what we do if we don't have a fully functioning brain and body a spinal a nervous system a spinal cord nothing makes up for that so the benefit of first clearing out the nervous system through a gentle specific chiropractic adjustment unleashes the whole impact unleashes the potential and what we see are all these things that start coming together even if we have some lactation consultants that don't get what we do i'm cool with that because What's amazing is normally the top lactation consultants get it. 
because they're relentless in their search for ways to improve these conditions. And so I have a lactation consultant that now is in my office because she and I have worked so well together for so many years. I'm like, Julie, you just need to come in the office because every child is here already. And I agree with you. I've never seen so many latch issues and I, we do need to have a whole podcast on tongue ties and lip ties and latch issues and the nutrition that we're doing that's inappropriate for it and all that good stuff. But when you look at it, when you combine, and this is what the research has shown is when you combine lactation, um, a laser revision and body work, specifically chiropractic care, cranial work within that, that's when you see the improvements. But I want to take it one step further is what does that do for the impact, the relationship that baby now has for the bonding with mom? that baby now has for the bonding with dad, what that does to the impact of a relationship between mom and dad. Because now what happens is everyone's working together to improve life and health and function rather than just enduring. And you talk about what we're talking with Dr. Stanley going through PTSD and his experiences in the military. I very much equate being an early mom and a young mom to being in the military. You're sleep deprived. You are in survival mode. Everything you're doing is just reactionary and you're trying to live through it. Mm. Rather than living through it, wouldn't it be great to actually experience it and love it and become empowered through it? I, I think it's funny that as women, we get together and we hardly share amazing birth stories unless you're in the right group. It's very common that they'll share the horror stories of birth. And we need to now normalize normal birth. We need to normalize empowering birth. We need to normalize that this is a normal function that our bodies are made to do and can actually thrive through it. Yeah, I um, I think I, I, I would agree with that. And everything starts with empowerment. We want our moms to be able to get from where they are to where they want to be. Um, but that comes from, it comes from knowledge. It comes from empowerment. It comes from love. And I, I feel like you know, there, there's too much of a, of a mechanized birth culture in our country um, where it precludes the energetics, right, the environmentals that go along with um, like successful, a successful vaginal birth. Um, you know, I was talking to Stan about this, you know, on our first podcast, and, you know, it, we find in our practices that moms who deliver at home tend to have better outcomes, mm-hmm. tend to. Every- yeah. Tend to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's not to say that a hospital birth is not necessarily the right choice for some moms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I tell my patients is that, listen, my stats don't lie. Right. And I keep stats on all my pregnancies, as mm-hmm. do, you know, all OBs and midwives. And by and large, we have we have a much higher success rate and surprisingly a lower side effect uh, mm-hmm. and transport rate. Right. <clears throat> uh, in, in our home births. But, you know, it's it's funny because obviously, you know, when chiropractic is involved in that process, you know, I, I can be at a home. I can be checking a mom mm-hmm. while she's laboring as opposed to the hospital where, you know, there's still a little bit of apprehension there. Um, I can check the baby the minute the baby's born. We can adjust if necessary. And that basically prevents a, a lifetime of subluxation degeneration, mm-hmm. which contributes to all these other problems that we're, we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Um well, and I want to I want to stay there for a second, Dan. Is we've all been taught as chiropractors that babies get subluxated from birth because birth is traumatic and it's tough and it's hard, and we know that as moms. Like I've been through it, I know how hard it is. I also know how amazing and wonderful it is. The flip side that we mentioned briefly that needs to be talked about is I have amazingly healthy babies in my office 
as well, a ton of them. Mm -hmm. And what happens is these moms have been under preconception care, so their bodies are healthy. Dads have been under preconception care because they're contributing 50% of the DNA and their sperm turn over so quickly that their DNA is a big, like it matters, their current health matters even more. That being said, then we see mom through her pregnancy, which now brings in this team with doulas and midwives often that we start supporting mom during her pregnancy so that she knows she can do this and put together this powerhouse so that now she has the birth that she wanted. She has the birth that whatever she chooses, because I 100% agree with your statement, she has to choose where is most comfortable and empowering for her and we support that. And then what we find are the outcomes are these babies are healthier. These babies nurse better. They have higher APGAR scores because they didn't have trauma in utero. They didn't have trauma through that birth process because they had the right team to support that. So we have two things to do. we got to grow the healthy kids. And then we're also talking about doing the repair work, but we, we have to honor both sides and realize that it is changing. So we, we talked about this in a previous episode, but, um, you know, I want to I want to really chat about you uh, about this with you, because I know, especially in your experience, in your practice, where you see a lot of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Pregnancy in and of itself is something that, you know, women are, are built to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the family dynamic, I mean, it's, it's implanted genetically, right, in our DNA. And so delivering a baby, theoretically, should be an empowering experience. It should be a, a, a genetically congruent experience. Mm-hmm. But in the United States, as you know, you know, our C-section rate is averaging about 33 to 35% mm-hmm. per state. Uh, which is, um, I think in a previous podcast, I said almost twice as much, but it's actually close to three times higher mm-hmm. than what's recommended by the World Health Organization in an, uh, an industrialized society. Um, we know that birthing under chiropractic care uh, lowers labor times, right? I think we had a study, Joan Fallon wrote a study a little while back that suggested that we were able to uh, shorten labor times by something like 25% on average uh, mm-hmm. when mom's under chiropractic care. And there's a reason for this. It's because chiropractors who are trained uh, to take care of pregnant women um, are focusing entirely on making sure the pelvic floor stays nice and neutral and symmetrical, um, that we don't have any, uh, you know, what we call uh, uh, intrauterine constraint that's contributed to by, by bony, uh, bony subluxation in the pelvic floor. Um, it allows for good muscle tone and firing patterns. Um, when, you know, second stage labor hits and mom's ready to push, uh, baby finds the exit really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. By and large, right? The moms that have been under chiropractic care since the day that they conceived or even preconception do considerably better because we're undoing all those bad habits that they've had that predate their pregnancies uh, early, right? Right. Um, so then when it comes to uh, time to have the baby, um, they've been practicing for it for more than nine months. So it's just, right. I mean, I wouldn't call it easy, but it's, it's, it's more routine. Yeah, never call it easy. Yeah, yeah, so much yeah. trouble. Yeah, well, it's easy for me. <laughs> um, well, no, that's not true because I've attended some some births that have uh, made my my life very challenging. Um, so, the question really that I have, and I think this is important for moms to understand, is why is it so stinking difficult to have a vaginal birth in the hospital? Oh wow, you really want to go down a road. We need another three hours to communicate that one because. Well, I mean, I, I think it's important yeah. for our moms to understand this yes. because you know, on the chiropractic side, moms 
moms typically still come to chiropractors when they're pregnant because they have back pain, right? Right. I have pelvic mm-hmm. pain, I have back pain. I, doc, I don't know what happened. I was so healthy. And then 36 weeks, bam, uh, bam. pubic pain, mm-hmm. uh, sacroiliac pain, sciatic nerve pain. And then, you know, our midwives and doctors and nurses send us these patients late in the pregnancy and they just want us to fix the pain. Or right. even worse, uh, they'll send these moms to a chiropractor who no, knows nothing about the mechanics of a pregnant pelvic floor. Um, and the pain will go away, but it'll make the pelvic floor alignment and symmetry mm-hmm. worse. So, um, a- again, going back to this, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's troublesome, but there, there's definitely a solution. And I think it comes from that understanding of why it's so difficult uh, in a hospital setting. So let me run down that of the first, the mindset behind it is really when you look at a hospital setting, you got to realize that OBs are trained pathologists. To be totally fair, as chiropractors, we were trained in some of our classes to look for problems as well. Um, but that's what OBs are looking for. They're, they're looking for a problem in birth rather than acknowledging that the birth is a normal, natural event that you need to be a lifeguard for, which is what Dr. Bradley talked about. He said you should have a good fat bottom and sit on your hands. That's what he said as an OB was that if you're needed, then you come in, but otherwise you leave it alone. Well, we don't do that anymore. We very much believe in intervening with birth because the outcome is a successful live baby no matter the means that's what the outcome is and so if a mom is going into the hospital she has to understand that as soon as she goes into the hospital she starts a time frame that's why they highly encourage moms that are less than four centimeters dilated to go home as soon as you actually get admitted into the hospital you now go into that time frame which means that we expect you to dilate one centimeter per hour And if you don't dilate one centimeter per hour, rather than us acknowledging that your body has a whole bunch of physiological things that are changing, maybe you're taking a break to prepare for nursing, maybe you're taking a break to prepare for the pushing stage, we assume that that birth is on a linear time frame. It continues to move forward rather than have the wave-like effects. And so once you don't dilate one centimeter an hour, then we're going to augment it with Pitocin. Pitocin is artificial oxytocin, which is your, what your body makes naturally. The problem with Pitocin is it's, it's artificial. So instead of a contraction being good and strong and efficient, what it does is it causes lots of little contractions. So it makes an inefficient contraction that continues for a long period of time, which now exhausts the mom which once you do Pitocin, the chance of getting an epidural goes, that statistic goes through the roof. But the concern is once you get an epidural, the statistic to go into a C-section goes through the roof. So you need to understand for moms that the more intervention, or even if we start the interventions, it leads down a road of a C-section because what it's doing is preparing mom for that section. Because when we look at mom not dilating one centimeter per hour, and if Pitocin doesn't change it, Or if the Pitocin changes a little bit, but now when mom's exhausted, she can't push a baby out, we're going to give her an epidural, which can help. And there's times and places for epidurals. There's time and place for Pitocin. I'm not saying any of those aren't appropriate time and place. But what it now leads to is a mom that's exhausted. Her body's not working like it should. We get her on her back because we want to monitor her through this. And now that we give her an epidural, she can't walk. But when you're on your back, your sacrum, the bone in the middle of your pelvis isn't allowed to drop back. Well, why that matters is when the sacrum is allowed to open up and drop back, it opens up your pelvis by 30%. So when moms are on their back, they lose a third of the opening of that pelvis. And here's what I say to all my doctors and and all my, my patients when I teach them. I said, if you think about having a baby on your back and think about the mechanics of it, I said, I want you to go home the next time you need to have a bowel movement. And rather than sitting on the toilet, I want you to lay down and have that bowel movement and see how well that goes for you. 
And everyone's response is exactly the same as yours, Dan, because we know that is just insane to think of that. Why would we ever ask someone to have a bowel movement on their back? It goes totally against gravity, totally against nature. Why would we do that? Well, then let's take that further into birth. Why would we ever expect a mom using the same muscles, same mechanics to lay on her back and push a baby up and out against gravity? No wonder we have to pull a baby out and force a baby out. And the doctor becomes the one who delivers the baby rather than the mom because we made it convenient for the hospital setting. Nothing against the hospital because I firmly believe that the OBs are trained to help. Like that's what they're doing. They're helping in their opinion. And they look at these moms as as suffering moms rather than supporting them through something that they choose to do to help them be 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 surrounded in love and support in, in this empowering event. But what's happened is we've now disconnected birth. Yeah. We took it away from generations pulling together to support grandma and mom supporting this new mom to bring a life into the world. We removed all of them. Right, we sterilized it, yeah. We sterilized it. We made it an individual. And then we even went worse. We went so much worse with Twilight Sleep, and we knocked moms out mm. and hauled these babies out. And so mom didn't even know that it was really her baby once she came back, too. So we really have been um, – we've stripped humanity from birth. And we wonder why we're having all these issues. Well, once you strip humanity, you strip everything, and, and we have to reclaim that. Well, you know, you brought up a lot of really, really good points. I mean, the, the whole idea of laboring on, on your back, I mean, as a chiropractor, as a biomechanist, it makes absolutely zero sense. Um, I, I think it's really important for moms and our, our parents to understand here that, that birthing healthcare in general in the United States, right? We know it's, it's, it's somewhat perverted by the for-profit medical industry, right? Whether it be pharmaceuticals or whatever, right? Nobody can really make a purely um, unbiased decision when there aren't conflicts of interest. And in the United States, we know that this is the way that it works. Um, And so, you know, empowerment is really, really important. Um, Having a doctor, having a team like Christina was talking about that, that allows you to really be certain in your decisions that support you, that, that rally to your cause is vitally important. Chiropractors are part of that team as much as a doula, a midwife, an OB, especially those of us who are well-trained. I want to take one step back, Christina, real quick before we, we come to an end. And that's just to talk about the effects of, of a birth on a, on a baby. Assuming that we have a good symmetrical pelvic floor, assuming that we have um, mom who's really obeying the cues of her body, and there isn't any really rare complication. Um, baby is able to find the exit. Baby engages, starts to crown, um, allows those cranial plates to overlap very briefly, squeezes his way out, and then everything starts to reform. Right, mm-hmm. which is again part of the babies in eight program. I've I've seen different statistics, but babies who are crowning symmetrically are are taking in something like sixty to seventy newtons worth of stress into their cervical spines. Right. However, if we introduce things like a pit, mm-hmm. um, if we introduce other sort of augmenting um, stimulus that can double that axial torque on on the baby's cervical spine and furthermore when you have a c-section and the doctor is using axial uh, uh, distraction pulling the baby uh, you know you can double that in axial uh, stress or pulling stress to the neck Um, and this is all problematic because again the baby is programmed it's designed to be able to accept a certain amount of stress on his way out the door so if you have a mom who's laboring and there's something that's just not going 
according to the plan, according to the OB or whatnot, and they shoot Pitocin. Um, in my experience, that never, ever, ever leads to a <laughs> vaginal birth, in my experience, ever. Because if, typically, if a baby can't crown or a baby can't engage, it's because there's constraint, meaning he's butting his head up against a bony wall or he can't find the exit. There's a neurological key that's missing somewhere, and the pit is only forcing that to get worse. We see a higher percentage of babies who are born asynclitic when pit is used. Uh, which means that the baby's head is tilted in a certain position, which is a precursor to torticollis when they get older, and then scoliosis when they get even older there. We see a higher uh, percentage of plagiocephaly babies that are born under the influence of Pitocin, which is when they have asymmetries or deformations in the skull, um, which for which the standard of care is still putting them in those ridiculous helmets that do absolutely nothing. Um, and so, again, it's really, I think the most important message for moms is just to understand that your body is built, it's programmed to do this. Work with your OB, work with your chiropractor, work with your doula, work with your other allied healthcare workers so that you understand that there are potential options and choices. And then that maximizes, as Dr. Stan said, the adaptive potential of your young child. Chiropractors like myself and Christina, again, we check babies the minute Mm-hmm. It's possible that the babies are born for subluxation because the sooner we can get to it, the higher the likelihood that baby will never have to deal with the same issues that we deal with as adults in terms of arthritis and degenerative change and disc problems in your spine. Um, you know, in my office, I know you do the same thing, Christina. The first adjustment, the first checkup for a baby is always complimentary when the mom's under care. It's my gift to them because mm-hmm. it's the most beautiful thing that we can potentially give a baby when they're first born, right? Parents will see... Even when there's some stress on the baby's, uh, the baby's experience, you know, most common thing we see is, is gastrointestinal disorders when the newborn baby is stressed out. Um, you experience this as much as I do. We start to adjust. We make gentle corrections to the cervical spine a lot of the time in the lumbar and sacral spines, and the baby will just have a blowout diaper right there, right? <laughs> yep. I mean, that's the effect of stress mm-hmm. and, furthermore, the effect of reversing that stress on, uh, on a very primitive nervous system. With all that said, Doc, um, mm-hmm. Before we get going, I, I, I really want to hear, I want to hear your advice mm-hmm. for parents, whether they have a totally healthy baby or they have a baby who's been experiencing some challenges. Um, what's your best advice for mm-hmm. these parents who are listening? So the first thing is you're talking through the team. That's actually my first advice I have to say is no matter what you do when you're pregnant, the birth care or the birth provider that you choose is your most important choice that you make because based on what they think is normal is how your birth is going to turn out. If they have a 35% C-section rate or a 50% C-section rate, guess what you're probably going to end up with. So that is the first thing I recommend is you don't choose a birth provider based on who your friend liked. You choose someone based on who you like and who honors what you want. And if your first answer is, well, I don't know what I want, then go do some research on that and really say, what do you believe is normal and supportive for you? So you have to choose the right birth provider. And I firmly believe and advocate having doulas because a doula is someone who takes that place of grandma and mom who brings experience to the table, brings that support, and they're with you during birth. They're with you the entire labor. They're the ones that are truly the workers during this this process of birth, which is so amazing for you. So I say that's the first thing you have to do is choose the right providers, and you have to choose a prenatal chiropractor who knows what they're 
doing. There are different types of chiropractors, and I honor all types of chiropractors because they're awesome and amazing, and there's a huge broad spectrum to chiropractic, which can be frustrating for a patient because you think that it's we're all the same. We're totally different, and that's awesome about our profession. So find someone who specializes in prenatal chiropractic so they know what they're doing. And they have the training and they have the appropriateness for it. And to be totally honest, how do you find out is you start asking the doulas and the midwives and you ask the people who are trained in normal natural birth who they work with. Now, once you have a baby and you've, and say you've never seen a chiropractor, the first thing that I would recommend is obviously you dive into this podcast and you dive in further realizing that there's so much out there that you didn't know about and that's totally okay. That's what's awesome about this is to learn more. And then you find a pediatric chiropractor who is trained appropriately, who knows what they're doing. And so to be honest, I'm going to tie you back to to two different places. I um, own Practice Evolution Program, which is all about really enhancing um, family uh, doctors, chiropractors. And it's all about more um, clinical skill set for for pediatrics and for pregnancy. And we just have an army of doctors all over the world. And so please reach out to me. I'm happy to make referrals to these doctors that are trained. Um, Dan is obviously one of our, our dynamite doctors through this, through this system and this program. And so you start finding these referrals. And to be honest, you call our office. If you can't come into hours and same with Dan, we'll find you someone because you just need to find an amazing doctor and then they will help you often find someone else. Um, the ICPA has a good resource as well where you can go to their website and find a chiropractor that way as well. There's many ways to find pediatric chiropractors and realize that we can help you with that. That all being said, the best advice I can, I can give you is going back to the very beginning of where we started from is that health comes from within. And when we build up our health from within is when we have the most dramatic changes to our life and our health and our relationships. And so when we honor that process of where we are built for, which is health is amazing and wonderful, and we're capable of achieving this, find the right providers that support that and do the things to support that. So nurse as long as possible, eat proper whole foods, real foods, things that don't come in a box and in a package that are really there for you because food is fuel for our bodies. Make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Make sure that we're not feeding our babies crap. I recommend that we don't even feed a baby any food until they're six months old minimum and have a tooth. They have to have both or else you, you don't feed them food because Breast milk is the number one source of nourishment for their entire first year of life, bar none. Everything else is to play with and for babies to experience. And so I also look at this. I'm very much a believer in attachment parenting and fourth trimesters of going, you know, babies are not meant to come out and then immediately be put aside. They're meant to be with us. They're meant to, they're primitively, they, they need to be with us and they need to be supported through that massive growth for their nervous system. And so moms honor the time that you have with these babies. I am a working mom and I totally have been through this and I look back and I truly can say with love and regret, I wish I had honored that time better rather than trying to do everything at once. Realize that the days are long, the years are short and the time is fleeting. And so really enjoy this. Find the right people, hire the right people to support you during this process. I I think, you know, in closing, um, some of the best advice that I've ever gotten from a variety of different coaches and mentors and you name it, uh, is that you, you really are the amalgamation of the people that you spend the most time with closely, right? Chiropractors like myself and Christina, we have this view of the world because 
we see it every day, right? We, we see the pitfalls of, of mis- misinformation, misunderstanding, lack of knowledge, lack of certainty. Um, but we also see the other side of the coin, which is this amazing empowerment piece. We see moms who are accomplishing amazing feats um, simply because they have the right team and they're, they're surrounded by people who will help them get from point A to point B. Chiropractic kids, guys, on average in my office, simply are healthier. When they get sick, they express symptoms for about 24 to 48 hours, but on average, they're perfect, right? The problem in our communities is that, again, it's becoming normal for somebody to have a hacking cough for a month straight. So, you know, I, I think, Christina, it's so funny. Whenever I hear Christina, I just sort of like open my book and I start, you know, writing or typing because she's got that, that professor in her, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but, you know, everything that she said, it really, I think it needs to be summed up to this one point. It's that, it's that your bodies are built to be healthy. They're not so poorly designed that they're designed to break down and crap out on us and so as long as we have the appropriate tools to allow our bodies to express themselves to their fullest potential health is the only potential consequence so christina thank you so much i mean obviously we could go on for three four five hours so we're definitely going to have you on the cast again um christina will you will you give them a a quick uh, call to action at the end of this ways that they can contact you um and then and uh, we'll call it a day Okay, so first thing I have to say is speaking as a mom, moms, you're doing an amazing job. You are good enough, wonderful enough, and you are amazing in what you do. And you have to honor where you are and know that you're doing everything right. And from there, we can only build up our societies and build up our generations and love on ourselves, which means we can love on our kids even more and on our on our support systems. So please know we're here to help. Um, my practice is Family First Chiropractic and Wellness Center. I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, our website is utahfamilychiro.com. And you can call our office at any time. It's 801-281-1688. If you are looking for practice evolution, call 801-281-1646 and know that we're here to help and support you in raising the next generation. And I'm thrilled for this opportunity, Dan. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure, Doc. I look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye.